0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Rodcast. I'm here with Pastor Rod, and today we are talking about the exciting topic of worship. And so I want to ask a big question to start off, Pastor Rod. Uh, why is worship important
1: and, and what is worship exactly? Wow, huge question. Um, worship is giving, giving up something to God. It's giving up uh, honor, praise, respect, words, heart, it's giving up something to God. The, the New Testament word for worship is the actual word proskunia, which means to to lean towards and to kiss, which doesn't mean anything romantic. It's, it's the concept of the Middle East uh, Israel concept of, of kissing someone's hand or, or might be even on the side of the face. The, the picture is giving respect and giving honor, leaning into and giving and giving something. And so the concept of worship to me is what are we giving to God, um, which could be in music or it might not be in music, could be in finance, could be in prayer. It's just the act of giving up to God out of a huge heart of respect and love. And so obviously it's
0: it's a lot more than just music, although oftentimes in church life we we equate that with a connection with um Music. how does how does music come into it and singing and that kind of thing well, I think I think music has always
1: played a part in worship um, both the Old Testament Hebrews and the New Testament uh, it says they sang a hymn before Jesus went out um, to the, the Garden of Gethsemane the, the the concept of singing is definitely a part of life it's part of the world and so I think that when worship and singing or worship and music comes together I think it is both human and divine. I really do. There's a there's a desire in the heart to give up in words and then maybe in music and in singing. Uh it's just a basic human response to something good. <laughs> even even if you you know you, you imagine um singing around the world, whatever whatever it is, usually it's associated with rejoicing together um about something or remembering something good together, usually. I just think it's human, and I think to call you know a, a part of your service the worship part or the worship time makes sense as long as we don't limit it to that time only. Um, but I, we would use that phrase uh, quite openly, but also say worship is more than the music session. Would you agree with that? Mm, absolutely, it's a heart, and I think giving is is
0: worship as well, and our tithe and all of that. But yeah. there's something powerful in music, definitely. Yeah. Growing up as a as a kid, hearing certain songs on the uh, on the TV or whatever back in the day, and y- you know you feel something even even from a just a normal non Christian song. A well written song is powerful, and then you combine that with our heart towards God. It just it's a feels like it's a tool that God's given us to be able to connect yeah. with Him in a way
1: yeah I, I think even even someone who is playing a chord can evoke an emotion and a response mm-hmm. to the human heart There's just something very or a or a rhythm mm-hmm. um in our digital world just a just a a synth note or something can actually evoke a a response mm-hmm. so it's very powerful and i th- it's mm-hmm. obviously a god given thing so to give God worship in music and song makes total sense doesn't it mm-hmm and we even, you know, we use it a lot in church life.
0: Just as as preachers, to have someone come along and play some keys underneath it, like, can totally lift what what we're saying.
1: Like the music can, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a wonderful and, tool, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think if anyone you know did, doesn't like the background music uh, in a church, we've got to realize the power of it in a movie. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is good necessarily but the the music will set the feeling of the action or the feeling of the scene so you could have you know tense music or relaxed music chill or what it actually does set the scene it's just it's just a human thing so i think having background music and sometimes and and sometimes just just we want to chill and just worship God on our own we could just play a song or um Play, play whether it's got lyrics or not um it just does something it it, it lifts it makes us think it makes us relax it, the power of music is so huge I, I really think that's why it's part of our worship service at church mm-hmm.
0: and, and, and it's amazing that even you know not everyone is maybe gifted in music
1: yet mm. most people say they like it yeah uh, it seems seems quite universal yeah I, I think that's a really good point because in church music which we'll come to later a lot of people don't can't tell you why they like something but they can tell you if it was good or not so good that that, that 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 differentiation is in the heart of even people who are not musicians or singers there's just something there they say well that was good that was that was uplifting or I felt something here in Japan with our non-christian friends when they come to church they don't understand the words. But they will try and sing and they say later, I didn't understand, but I knew it was good. It's a really important thing. Um, We've had a lot of non-Christians, not yet Christians in Australia as well, come to church and say, there's something good here. I could feel something good. And they're not going to use Christian language, but Mm -hmm. there's a response towards God or or the divine. It's just, it it opens hearts. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, on Sunday, I had lunch
0: with a couple who were attending our church for their their second time. Non Christians, but very, very much searching, and mm. they they asked us afterwards, like, "Where can I find those songs?" And I thought that was very interesting. That that's mm. that's a big thing that they were taking away. Yeah, was a connection through the the music through the worship.
1: Yeah, and probably humming some of that. The humming a part of the song, and maybe even a few words, even. Which might have been giving glory to God, which is pretty exciting, isn't it? People walking out of church, singing, feeling better, feeling up—the presence of God has touched them during the worship. It's it's pretty amazing. Mm.
0: What well, can can we go really quite big picture with this? I want to talk a little bit about worship and and church history and how how worship has been uh, used really th- throughout throughout time. And how that's evolved. Um, so, so big kind of topic here. But wh- where would you start? Like, how how did this begin? Like, what do you have any idea what worship looked like back when Jesus was
1: walking the earth with his <laughs> disciples? Like, we, we could even go further back than that into David's time. Very clear in the mm. Psalm, Psalm 150. He talks about all these instruments. Praise the Lord with the cymbals. Praise the Lord with the trumpet. Plays. Praise the, praise the Lord with the the lyre, which is like a piano of their day, or Maybe not piano, maybe more of a guitar, but um, definitely there was praise him with your voice, praise him with your soul, praise him. And so the picture of of corporate worship coming together in Israel was definitely around music and around rhythm because it talked about symbols and big symbols and little symbols, and um, so Old Testament, very very definitely, and even today we talk about some music sounding Israeli, isn't that interesting? Like. and when you go to Israel, it's actually true. They do use those chord progressions. And um, we were missionaries in Thailand for four years, and we saw the same chord progressions in Thailand, the same rhythms that we saw in, we see in Israel. And we've seen the same in other countries too. There's just there's something there in in ancient music that's very powerful. Um, it, it, it's never going to go away. We uh, we talk about the uh, minor minor key songs. It, it's sort of because they didn't have. Some of the other notes we could talk about that in a moment, but um, ancient worship was real, and and we we know that it says they went out and sung a song. They sang a song to the Lord after they escaped from Egypt. A big long. Um, we haven't got the notes on the page, but we've got the words, and it says it was a song. And so, um, and there's one psalm that uh, Psalm 136 or something that every every line it finishes off by saying and give thanks to the Lord because He is good and His mercy. is Uh, endures forever. So something good and then that line, something good. And so there's repetition, there's alliteration, there's the using of certain letters. There's all the music forms that we have today um, in in Psalms and in some of the Old Testament scriptures. So when we get to the New Testament, there's no real picture of the music style, but we would assume it would be Israeli style music because Jesus was, uh, his, his life was in Israel. Um, and so I, I think just the New Testament it picks up only a few times on the word hymn, uh, the word H-Y-M-N. It's a very unusual spelling, isn't it? Um, but it says, you know, before, as I said, the night before the cross, they went out and sang a hymn. It says in um, uh, Ephesians, I think it is to to sing unto the Lord um, with using spiritual songs. So the songs were part of the New Testament; it's just not mentioned a, a lot because I think there was just cultural con- continuity, continuum, whatever the word is. Like the music had not changed that much, and so it, it was just continuing singing the, the hymns, the, the psalms, the um, the songs of David. Um, But there definitely was songs, obviously, there. And then the gospel started going out to other regions of the world, to Greece and Rome, and I'm sure they they added their own instruments for a start, their own, you know, probably more specific um, types of guitars, whatever they had, um, their own types of trumpets. So there would have been diversity of instruments. But we're not so sure what happened with the music development, so, so far, again, there's, there's there's no notes on the page. You know, this is an A minor and this is a B or what? There's no music like that because that's a more modern uh, construction, Middle Ages. But they would have been, um, everyone would have been singing some songs together, both in the nation and in their synagogue or in the church or in the whatever. And this continued on um, and we get to the Middle Ages and the, uh, the, the the Christian monasteries had a thing called the Gregorian chant uh, named after, I guess, St. Gregory, where it would be da 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 that's sort of a style that we still have those songs in some monasteries in some Eastern Orthodox or other places around the world so that there is that continuum. And th- then the Middle Ages, finally, there was the introduction of the, the full eight notes in an octave, octave coming from the word eight, um, the concept of, of what we call more, um, well, the full notes. You can still do minor key, but now you have major keys. And this might go over the head of some people, but it instead of just being very uniform, you got these incredibly spectacular diversions with you know the the pianists like Chopin and and uh, Wagner and uh, you know all, all those guys. I'm not really into classical music, but a lot of them are using the full eight the full eight notes, the octave, and that's when music in the church also changed because um, up until then there was just the the five notes, I guess you'd say, or three notes, um, three major notes in an octave, you know, not an octave in in the in the scale, and all of a sudden, you've got this this huge divergence of music occurring in Europe, specifically in Europe, more than say Asia, and so um, there's this this increase, and then there were these uh, songs sung in the pubs, uh, pub songs with the beer and the, the you know the da, 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 whatever, and and John Wesley's day, which is you know a few hundred years ago now in England, John Wesley, John and his brother Charles Wesley, who wrote. Hymns, John Wesley being the reformer, Charles Wes- Wesley being the songwriter, the two brothers, uh, two, two young men who received Christ as young adults. And um, so John Wesley had the theology and Charles Wesley wrote these, these, these amazing first hymns, but they say they were probably copies out of the pub. And this is a really important point in church history because some people today, we move forward today, say those songs sound like, a modern pop star or a modern star, whether it be, you know, hip hop or rhythm and blues or, or uh, rock and roll or whatever the style is, people say, oh, that came from the world. Well, when the first hymns were sung, they were very controversial because they were also very similar to songs that people sang at the football or the pub or something. And Charles Wesley and others were this 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 new generation, I'm sure there were others, who started to write more full songs in different styles, and they would bring in the theology of praise and worship into house groups, into the, the the Methodists used to meet in homes, and I guess they didn't have musical instruments, but they would sing, and it would be a big part of the rise of Christianity in England, uh, which then went around the world. So, this, these early hymns that we, we, we talk about, were many of them they reckon were copies or similar Two songs being sung at—I guess they didn't have stadiums with football back then, but whatever the sport or the the public event was, there was singing, and and so that that style with Christian words now were spread through right through uh, U- UK, um, America, uh, all, all the nations that were more open to to that style of music, and that that was the style of music probably that came through the American. Uh, the early days and the, the the Reformation there and the the Great Awakenings in America. And it probably was this, this modern music. Now that's a big hist- history of music that will bring us up to probably about World War II or after um, because the music up to that time was very similar in terms of style and in terms of musical instruments used. It was either um, in more traditional churches it was the pipe organ or in uh, more, you know, newer churches, it was the piano, the, the stand-up piano, um, was sort of the, the with choirs uh, up to probably the end of World War II. Um, it was very similar. In, in fact, there are some songs, some churches today still sing with that style around the world. So it was very entrenched for a long time coming up to the modern era. So you can ask another question now if you want to, but that's bringing us up to about 1960s, 1970s, where there was a shift.
0: Is there any kind of uh, biblical instruction on style No, related
1: to music? No, it just says from your heart. And I think this is really important uh, as we turn to missions because um, I'll just let me read a scripture to you about that. Because um, jo- in John 4, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman from a different religious group. Very similar to the Jews, but it was different. And she's she's saying to Jesus, um, you know, you worship in Jerusalem, you're Jewish people. We worship here on this mountain. And and Jesus said in John four twenty one, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, what I take from this is the style is not important. It's the heart. And any part of church life that I've ever seen around the world that's different, um, contextualized in different nations, it's, it's there's there's two words. There's, there's the, the style and there's the meaning or the form and the meaning. Let's go with form and meaning. So with uh music, here's the form, here's the the way we do music, and here's the, the meaning in the hearts of people. And so I, I don't think any style is godly or ungodly. I don't think a guitar is godly or ungodly. It's a tool that we pick it up and we put our we inject our own heart into it, which would be uh to worship something else or to worship God. Um we, we pick up that guitar and it's our energy. It's our influence into the music as Christians. So, I don't think there's any godly or ungodly style. There's preferences. <laughs> we could talk about that a lot. Um, but style, no, there's no style. In fact, you know, some people uh, maybe 50 or 30 years ago even didn't want some instruments in church like drums, which is quite illogical unreasonable because david spoke so much about using symbols in the psalms so we know that loud music in fact he said praise the lord with a loud loud symbol praise god with a, a loud noise and praise god with a small noise and so that's a style thing but there's nothing godly or ungodly in the style it's just how we use it so around the world mu- church music is going to sound different um but based upon the culture uh because it's not the form, it's the meaning that, we, we're in tr- that the true worship is, is about spirit and it's about truth. That's what Jesus said. Okay, so we have
0: stylistic freedom.
1: I think Based, so, yeah, totally. It seems that way. I, I yeah. do believe that. Um, some people might disagree with some styles. Again, I would call that preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got nothing to do with godliness. Uh, there is some exceptions. There is some music that is really written to evoke um, maybe anger or wildness. Right. So I can't say every bit of music, but I would say most music I've ever heard. Um, could you, we, we could use it for like take that style mm-hmm. and use it for worshiping God. A good example of this is in uh, we were in Thailand for four years. And I said before, Thai music is very similar to Israeli music, which is a surprise but the Thai music is very um, long. A song might go for 25 minutes, and it's very repetitive, the same thing over and over and over again. And um, when we were there at first, we noticed the churches were singing hymns and not using this style. Um, and uh, we, we sort of asked people, why don't you use that, this other style, with with especially in the villages or the small cities? Uh, and they said, oh, that style is used. In that religion and we said well are there, is there any christians taking that style and recording with christian lyrics and they said yeah there, we've got recordings <laughs> we've we they could show us um pull out a there was no C, uh there was cds when we were there i think i can't remember um anyway <laughs> there was no there's no digital um here it is here's here's the album and uh, we would listened to it and it was really good like like the same style the same repetitiveness, the same length, but singing unto God. And we said, "Well, have you sung these in church?" And they said, "Oh no, we're not allowed." So there is a disconnect here somewhere. With so it's a bit illogical to say, "Well, we've got CDs and we love it, and oh, but we can't use that style in church." So that that is where we get the word tradition. And I think when tradition blocks uh, spontaneity in worship. That's when we need to have a look at that and ask some questions. Mm. Yeah,
0: interesting. game. Well, eh? yeah. how? How, do, how? What about the influence of culture on on worship? Cause you're a well traveled person. You've been in a lot of church contexts in uh, different nationalities. How have you seen different cultures express uh, express worship differently?
1: I, I just love some styles in the world. I love um, Middle Eastern music, um, the rhythms, the excitement. The, 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 um, and I, when I've heard uh, a music in an Arabic or a, a Middle Eastern style, I, I just love it. I think, man, this is – can we get this? Can we, can we get that? Um, but if you sang a hymn there, people would quiet down. Um, they would give it respect definitely would respect to him so they're just quiet and down and and they'd, they'd worship lord but then the lord but then you put on their style and there'd be flamboyance there'd be hands in the air there'd be shouting and you know some vo- you know voices in the mouth and um that I'm not, I'm not saying they go wild in fact often it's men with men and women with, with with women like they separate so it's not a wild scene it's just a a joyful scene. Same thing in Israel. When they put on some um, Israeli music, like at weddings or celebrations, people just start dancing. Uh, they're singing to the Lord. Um, so I think I think music styles does evoke different emotions. Definitely, I've seen that. Um, same in Thailand, where we use that style. People would um, because it's repetitive. People would pick up on the key lines, which which might be give thanks to the Lord for He is good and He's. His his love endures forever. It could be that in Thai. But it it becomes very uh, memorable because they're singing it over and over. Uh, Or it could be a scripture. And because it's long and repetitive with a good rhythm, they are more likely to remember the scripture, uh, oral memory, um, rather than reading memory, um, which is also a style in many cultures. Um, Yes, I've seen a lot of people... Even in Australia, some of our, you know, in the '80s, where we started to use um, more uh, contemporary styles, even some some rock and roll style, not words, but style in the church. You'd see pe- people jumping, or we used to call it the kangaroo hop because <laughs> young Australians. I don't know if you were, if you're old enough to remember that, but um, it used to be the. The the dance was – the first dance was sort of more of a sway and we call it the Pentecostal two-step where (laughs) – Okay. (laughs) And then there was actually the full jumping. We called it the kangaroo hop. And uh, so, what I'm saying is the music style does evoke emotions in different cultures that relates to their culture. It's not a foreign thing to them now. It's actually rooted Mm. in their own musical sense. So, some styles are going to connect better with certain cultures than other styles. That's probably a good way of saying what I've been trying to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love it. I actually love it because I see the impact, you know, Indonesia or India or what I see the impact of singing in their style on the people. And I also see the impact of some other styles which, which may be a, a, a disconnect. They're honoring yeah. that style. No, yeah. one's, no one's being dishonorable. But it's just people go quiet. Uh, here in Japan, the same. We used to, uh, uh, early days, we'd visit some churches and the songs were very, um, they were hymns, but they were the sort of hymns that were sort of slow. The words were awesome, but it made people quiet. The The actual response is people were very quiet. I'm sure that was worship. I'm not criticizing it. But then when young pe- people Heard more contemporary styles, they would get very excited and um, clap their hands. You know, Japanese love to clap and sing karaoke. <laughs> karaoke comes from Japan. The concept of uh, you know taking out the the, word, the 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 lyrics and you sing the lyrics um, with, with with written on the screen. It's very similar to what we do in church, actually. Um, and so, <laughs> Japanese would come and say, oh karaoke ah this is church karaoke church, um, and the Japanese even non Christians when they liked the style, they would start clapping, and looking at their friend and started to even sing the lyrics, and that's why they had a good time because they were actually entering into the worship because it was now a style that they uh, that they understood in, 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 inherently understood. So whatever you just said a moment ago. Yes. What did you say a moment ago? <laughs> uh, s- some styles, what or, or connect
0: better with certain cultures? Yeah, right. Something like that. Good. Good yeah. summary. It, because uh, to me, it, it, it becomes exciting. Like if we have this, you know, somewhat stylistic freedom to then find the key to that culture. Yeah. Like what unlocks people's hearts the most? Like what style of music? Because we can play with that. Uh, and obviously, it's got to be God-honoring God and have great lyrics and all of that. But uh, that, I, I think that becomes a fun, you know, puzzle
1: for each yeah. each culture. And, and I've been a believer now for 40 years, um, got saved at 19. I've actually seen a progression of styles in the Western church, if I could put it that way. Yeah, There, there isn't one style. In fact, the, the styles we started with when I first got saved, we look at now are incredibly simple. Nothing wrong with it. I loved it. But you wouldn't use it today so much. It's just a very different uh, culture and generation.
0: Mm. Well, if you think about like the last 100 years, like how much has technology changed music? Yeah. like um, I mean, it w- there would be more varieties of music, uh, you know, of the-, the evolution of m- just music itself, not just worship, but yeah. music over the last 100
1: years than probably the 1,000 mm. years before that. Yeah. I, I would even say the last 50 years has been yeah. a huge revolution in church music. So it's if true. we want to come back to the 60s, there was obviously a lot of new music. There was the Beatles and there was a, there was a real shift, a real shift in music. And um, there was a move of God in California. They now call it the Jesus Revolution. And um, at that time, people started picking up guitars, hippies and people on becoming out of drugs, just picking up guitars and starting to sing anything to God. And it became very freestyle compared to the hymn uh, progression. Again, not not criticizing the hymn. It's been there for hundreds of years. But the new style was freestyling, freestyling words. And then the 70s was even more structured back to Scripture. It used to be called Scripture in Song. And that's the generation I got saved at the end of the 70s. And, and everything was Scripture in Song. So I know a lot of Scripture because the church where I got saved and came to was singing scripture in song, freestyling songs of the generation with just whole, whole psalms, it's like from, the, from, the, from the, the book of Psalms, or whole scriptures from the New Testament. I learned a lot of scriptures by going to church. I learned a lot of scriptures. It was called Scripture in Song Movement. And it came out of New Zealand and a few other places around the world. It was a dynamic movement in the 70s. And then the '80s was a whole new revolution of, of of music where they included things like, oh my goodness, drums and saxophones. Oh my goodness, it's like, <laughs> whoa, we're really getting free now, and trumpets and 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 so the, so the mus- the the instrument revolution happened in about the '80s, and then we were using you know styles such as uh, some rock and roll or even some 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 metal, basic metal, not heavy metal. Um, and some, um, and then and then rap started coming in, and there was rap. Some some parts of the world were using rap, or it was much as a different rap than now, and and everything was God glorifying in the church. Um, and then the you know rhythm and blues, and then then the more uh, modern you know, st- rhythms with styles which we actually love today. So I've seen forty years of music transition. Mm. And I'm sure it's going to keep changing. In fact, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk about this later, but even in Lifehouse, we've had transitions over 20 years, just 20 years. We've changed styles a few times, uh, which has been organic and dynamic, Uh, people loving it and buying into it very naturally. But it's only been the last, say, what's that, 50 or 60 years of church history that we've had this freedom to experiment with styles and and music, and also say to many nations, your style is so relevant, why don't you consider using that in your church services? Mm. So instead of importing a Western style of music that is foreign, uh, they're now using their own style. So whether it's Japan pop or Korean pop or Indian pop or Singapore pop, whatever it is, Indonesian style, um, instead of importing a foreign style, there's a lot more creativity occurring and with that, I think a lot more evangelism is also occurring. Mm. Can we
0: talk about that just quickly, maybe the, the ev- evangelistic side of uh, a style yeah. that connects with the culture? Like what have you seen, uh, especially in a place like Japan?
1: Um, well, if I can go back to my first major experience, it was in Thailand. And okay. um, we moved from hymns to more um, the, the, the local rhythmic style, which is, again, was very much like Israeli music, um, Israeli uh, style um, chords and rhythms. Even instruments sound similar. It was very interesting. Um, as we saw that implanted into especially village churches, um, there was a dynamic increase of worship. Let me rephrase that. There was a dynamic increase of sung worship, worship in song that people were actually getting into it. And again, the scripture and song, they were rem- remembering much better, much better. Um, and I actually loved it. Just, just That's a secondary thing. I just love the local style and I love singing and I was learning, learning Thai and I could sing in the Thai and it was just really exciting and looking around the room, seeing the faces of people and, and then neighbors would come and, and look and what are you doing? And they would sit down and the kids, you know, hundreds of kids, would all be coming and 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 being chattering and making lots of noise. But in the end, they were sitting and uh, it was quite a community event as we were able to sing songs in the local style and language. Um, It it was it was absolutely transformative for me to see that. So when we came to Japan, we were using more established uh, Christian style in the, the year 2002. Really good music. I still like it to this day. But we realized over time um, there was a lot of words, just a lot of words in the song. And we're a bilingual church in Japan. And so um, that's really hard to do two languages in a song when there's a lot of words. So we actually had to start selecting some songs with less words and also some songs that were more J-pop style that had and more praise than worship songs, more more fast than slow songs, let's put it that way, um, rather than getting into that what is praise and what is worship, just more happy songs because Japanese wanted to feel happy. Um, we called our church Life House because we realized a lot of people were coming from not such a, a happy family background and we wanted them to come into a house that was full of life, Life House. And so – with that name came our music and so it became much more up and happy and clappy and you'd watch, you'd watch Japanese with smiles on their face and you'd catch their eye and they'd be looking and even the new non-Christians would, would be smiling and we realized that this is a really important part of enjoyment and some people may not like that word but I think that's the first stage of engagement is they're actually enjoying this. what's, what's occurring and then they're putting their heart into it and starting to sing the songs with us. So it's a huge part of evangelism. Um, a huge part of people that don't know Jesus is to find their music and how do we help them to form their music uh, as hymns to God. Now, there's a, there's a big word, ethnomusicology, that some universities use in America, which means the study of music in ethnic groups. That makes sense. And so, this is actually going to nations and studying their chord progressions and their styles. And, um, you know, I've heard some styles and I've thought, how on earth could we make a, a hymn out of that? But then someone's going to do it and it's going to be one of them. <laughs> mm, <right. laughs> because now they're, they're, they're motivated, they love the Lord, and they're now given the freedom to explore their own music. Um, so I just think it's going to keep increasing around the world with evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I like that you brought up enjoyment because
0: no matter what style you like, whether you enjoy one style or don't enjoy another style, if you have bad musicians, you will not enjoy it, right? Of your style, <laughs> right? Like, or someone singing yeah. out of key or yeah. out of time, it that's very hard to connect with people. Like
1: music done badly. <laughs> Yeah, especially drumming that's out of time is very hard. It's very hard and every clapping is all over the place and yeah, it's very hard. Mm -hmm. So, I'd rather have recorded uh, drums than drums that is not holding the rhythm. So, it it should be enjoyable. Enjoyable should be
0: one of the goals of of that experience so as not (laughs) to become an obstacle
1: to people worshipping. I I really think so. And some people might disagree and they say, well, it's not about um, that. It's about just pure worship. My response to that would be you can have both. You can have worship and good music at the same time. And that would be a great goal. Mm. Well,
0: this is a a very (laughs) big discussion. I want to talk more about um, the Lifehouse journey. I think we need a whole episode for that. So, we will save that for the the next uh, episode. So, thank you, Pastor Rod, for sharing today on Worship Styles. Amazing. God bless you all.